tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter Podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. All right, we are back in full effect. The Detroit is different studios. We're here with Piper Carter once again. Episode three. The first one was nothing but a G thing. The second was the next episode. I don't even know what song comes in threes, but it'll be something. What song comes in threes, Piper? I don't know. I've really you got me. That's the first time I ever got guy. Uh, See, (laughs) as we have. One of the super MCs of Detroit that just chimed in. Mahogany is in the house. Mahogany, how are you? I'm good. How you feeling? Good, good. Good. Uh, interacting with all types of people, traveling the world, MCing, freestyling, taking battles from anywhere from Afghanistan <laughs> to Eight Mile <laughs> to Six Mile to Pakistan <laughs> to Africa, Kenya. She will battle you all. Man, woman. <laughs> no. Nah. Child, <laughs> <laughs> that's you, yo. You the one traveling the world. One of the greatest MCs we got for the D, Miss Mahogany, kicking it all the time. We also have uh, Nicole and Sharon about to kill the roaches. Not roaches as in cousins, as we call them <laughs> in the black community. <laughs> you will learn you will learn what roaches are as well. Cousins. Cousins are uh, you know, you know, we we've seen cousins. <laughs> Depending upon where you at, cousins can be cool, you know what I'm saying? These roaches are not. <laughs> These roaches are not. And we also have Raul. Raul, how you doing? What up, what up? Doing good. Yes, sir. All right. So um, Piper wants yes, to get deep into a lot of things political this time around. So I'm going to hang back as she guys uh, a host of homies in here. And uh, we're going to kick it old school style. But we're getting real serious on a lot of different topics. Starting off with one of the more tragic events. Uh, really, and this has been building over time. Uh, and Raul's going to speak more to it. But Piper... Yes, sir. Before Raul expands, touch on what you've been doing in reference to Puerto Rico. Well, one thing, I'm a part of a, um, <clears throat> what are we called? I guess we're a network or a collective or people who in the city who are um, like-minded and um, working for um, social justice, racial equity. It's called uh, Detroit Equity Action Lab. And um, I'm actually part of the second cohort And what we um, do is we work for ways that we can um, inform ourselves and others about racial justice and what that looks like. And so we come from all the different sectors. So you've got community folks like myself, but then you've got people in business, um, some working with government and and, and everything in between. And so um, Raul here is part of the third um, cohort of that organization and so what we do is we um, come together we learn we workshop we have discussions sometimes we argue um, in love (laughs) as we do um, learn because racial equity is tough especially when you're bringing different um, ethnic groups together to learn about one another 
And so um, part of what the deal has been doing, um, had well, not just the deal, but also, too, I'm a part of um, uh, the, the EMEAC family, East Michigan Environmental Action Council, which is the Cass Commons. Um, our social justice communities here in Detroit have been, um, I want to say, partnering or fellowshipping more with our um, Puerto Rican family in Puerto Rico to do different trips over time to learn about what's going on there. So we have activists here uh, like Adela Nieves who um, have been on multiple trips for different reasons. And so we learned that Puerto Rico, like Detroit, um, <clears throat> was basically invaded <laughs> uh, recently by the emergency manager. And so just like Detroit, we went through this whole emergency management um, fiasco, this fake bankruptcy where they took our housing, took over our water, took our schools, took all the resources out of our communities. The same 100% thing happened in Puerto Rico. So the first trip was to go there to learn more about um, emergency management. They did another trip where they learned about food and farming. And, and most recently, uh, we know about the hurricane. So one thing that I did, I'm a part of Detroit 4, or I'm sorry, um, Hip Hop 4, the Detroit chapter. And Hip Hop 4 is an organization, uh, it's Hip Hop for the People. And that's uh, Yanaj the Lone Wolf um, is basically leads that. And um, so we did fundraisers. Uh, we did one for Flint. We did one for um, Puerto Rico and the Caribbean. We did one for Houston. And so we collected... Um, you know, supplies and things like that. And um, we also raised not just awareness, but funds. And so during that time, we were able to connect with different people who are on the islands to give us on the ground reports so that we can know what was going on. Um, I have been following uh, Rosa Clemente. If you know who Rosa Clemente is, she's an activist and organizer, a hip hop um, aficionado and just a, 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 a all-around uh, fighter warrior and had gone down to Puerto Rico post-hurricane to give us these on-the-ground reports on Facebook um, and Instagram and had just been showing us that FEMA was lying, that um, the Red Cross was vampires taking people's blood, that just all the atrocities. And so um, after the hurricane... Then, uh, let's call it 2018, um, Puerto Rico has been restructuring or, well, in between that time, decided to send their incarcerated from there to the mainland. And so, meaning uh, the United States proper, if you will. And so with that, Puerto Rico actually rehabilitates um, it's incarcerated. And a part of that rehabilitation is uh, family visits. Mm. And in the mainland, we don't, we don't do that, right? So they're, they basically are getting people to opt in to come to the mainland to go do, to serve their prison term, which means that their families will no longer have um, contact with them. And so now we move a little bit closer to where we are today and we've seen that um, as a result of a lot of things, 
um, um, that Raul was going to lay out for us that um, the Puerto Rican citizens had been peacefully protesting to say we want to keep our resources free. Uh, we want to keep our education and, and all the resources that, that they have um, free, just like here in Detroit where we've been fighting to keep quality public education free, right? And so we saw people being tear gassed and we saw these really um, horrific images and that's probably um, where I'm going to put a pin um, and then I'm going to ask Raul to, because we had a conversation earlier and Raul said to me, I think we need to talk about colonization and, and, and colonialism and, and let's, let's ground people in that. And so I'm going to pass it to Raul to let us know, like, what's really going on, Raul? Thank you. Thank you, Piper, for uh, sort of setting a context and, and laying out a framework to have a conversation. First and foremost, let me just uh, give my gratitude to the An Anishinaabe uh, folks, the indigenous people of this land of yes. Detroit um, and, and the land that we occupy. Um, you know, first and foremost, is, is stolen land from them. I also want to give acknowledgement to the enslaved black Africans that were forced out of their homelands and come and, and forced to come here and build this country and also build this city. So that's a context for me to have this conversation because you can't talk about colonization if you don't talk about uh, uh, those two sort of probably the most horrific things that happen in the course of humanity maybe. Uh, the um, the genocide of the Jewish people in Europe is probably another one that you you just is just the, the worst part of humanity. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, also, was born and raised in Chicago. Don't hate me for that. I've been in the <laughs> Michigan area for five years now, uh, just trying to add my uh, my own sort of layer of work and, and lend my my experience and my expertise. I'm Puerto Rican. Uh, my Woof father's from both my father and mother from the west west part of Puerto Rico. Um, as most people know, Puerto Ricans are citizens, United States citizens, not yeah. through struggle, but through imposition. That is to say that uh, citizenship was imposed uh, upon the Puerto Rican people, despite the fact that almost near unanimously they rejected um, the idea because they had hopes of one day being independent uh, country. And so they knew if they accepted citizenship, it would be hard to attain uh, self-determination and sovereignty. So mm. colonialism, for, so, so from my point of view, Puerto Rico is a colony, has been a colony, was a colony when uh, Spain invaded Borican, the island of the Taino people uh, in 1493, and then uh, still remained a colony when the United States invaded uh, Puerto Rico in 1898. Uh, during the Spanish-American uh, War, which lasted uh, a few weeks. Um, some, uh, uh, the Secretary of State at that time called it the Splendid Little War. Um, wow. As a result of the peace treaty that was signed, Spain gave Puerto Rico and the Philippines as treasure mm, to the same. United mm. States. Um, wow. Cuba was given independence, but it was false independence because the United States cooked the books in their creating their own um, constitution. And so there was a lot of clauses in that constitution that gave the United States a lot of power and authority. So it wasn't really independence until Fidel Castro led uh, the July 26th movement. So Thank you, Castro. Um, Puerto Rico 
in my mind, is uh, is a colony. It has a constitution that was put into place in 1952. Um, but there, there's also a clause in that constitution that says that anything that can alter that relationship with the United States as a commonwealth um, has to be approved by United States Congress. Mm -hmm. So imagine that in my constitution, in my act of sovereignty and self-determination, in my act of saying that I'm a f I, that I'm an, a free people, I'm gonna say, but I can't change this relationship. Only the United States can change it. And so, that's the Constitution that was signed in 1952. Each and every step of that was met with uh, resistance. And what we know about um, what we know about our people, right? And I mean our people in terms of people of color, people um, of the, who've been marginalized, who've been oppressed, like we don't just sit back and take it. Right. Every movement of oppression has always been met with resistance. Um, the, yeah. Afri the escaped African uh, enslaved folks escaped, many of them escaped and created their own communities called Cimarron uh, communities or Maroon communities as a way to provide an alternative to the colonial enterprise to say, we know how to govern ourselves, and here's a model for self-government that doesn't involve imperialism, doesn't involve colonialism. And um, so, so Puerto Rico is a colony, um, and I think that that's important because even though you, we're United States citizens, the issue isn't as simple as horrible things being done to United States citizens. It's horrible things being done to a land and to an entire people. Um, that starts in 1898 with the United States involvement and still continues to this day. However, um, there's also this idea that a lot of sociologists, sociologists are thinking about now that's called internal colonies. That is to say you have direct colonies, right, territory um, that doesn't belong to me or my nation and I'm taking it over and it's mm -hmm. people. But then you have <coughs> internal colonies, which is, uh, communities, municipalities, regions, uh, where there are marginalized people or quote-unquote minority people, if you like that term, I don't. I don't um, either. But <laughs> these, these are, these are o historically oppressed people by a dominant other, by a dominant culture. And when they strip away their right to self-govern, when they strip away their right to determine their own future, their own present even, that that is a colony in effect internal to the nation and so um i believe as many have have many in detroit have taught me to believe that detroit is an internal colony right uh especially with the enactment of the emergency manager law yeah. which right. was defeated by the people only to be reinstituted with an unrepealable uh, clause to it so there are a lot of similarities in, in terms of a direct colony and an internal colony, and I think that I'd like to have a conversation about Detroit and Puerto Rico along those lines mm -hmm. because liberation has its own sort of um, path, even though we have similarities. Um, there's a lot of layers of control and a lot of layers of oppression that need to be peeled back, and some of those layers are unique to Puerto Rico, and some of those layers are not. And mm. I think part of what Piper and I were talking about was um, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about uh, sort of uh, that context, but let's also uplift those similarities. And right. so when the when <clears throat> Detroit was going through its bankruptcy process, that is to say it's further sacking and looting of its people. Um, the there were a lot of folks that were watching 
and waiting, learning a process to see could it be applied in other places. And I remember reading reports that a lot of people involved in Puerto Rico's debt, that is to say the people who are suing Puerto Rico for debt, not oh the people who create, you know, it's not the people of Puerto Rico created the debt. They were watching and waiting to see, can you do a municipal bankruptcy? And then thinking about, well, Puerto Rico is not a state of the United States. Not a, it's not even a territory. It's an unincorporated <laughs> territory, which was a newly created definition to uh, reconcile the fact that Puerto Rico was a colony, right? So the United States Supreme Court had to create a new designation for this land that was unincorporated but had U.S. citizens in it, right? Mm. Um, and so, and so, when you think about when you think about uh, emergency management, we need to know that even before Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria, there was already a law that was signed by President Barack Obama. And it was called PROMESA. It's the acronym. Um, it's an acronym. Uh, too complex for me to remember uh, <laughs> on the <laughs> spot. But in Spanish, the word PROMESA is promise. Mm. And so all of us activists always say FALSA PROMESA. False, false promise. promise. Uh, because that's what it was. And we have to remember that President Barack Obama signed this in June of 2016 before the hurricane mm. that put into place an emergency management board mm. that would help Puerto Ricans make decisions right. that uh, were politically um, uh, difficult, right? And uh. so um, a lot of the austerity measures that we're going through now, what, what, um, what, made, what were difficult decisions were made easy through the hurricane. Whoa! Um, and so w what Naomi Klein talks about disaster capitalism, what ended up happening early last year before the hurricane, there was this plan to, because they, they've, by the way, they've got this white woman, Julia Keller, Kelliger, Keller, I don't know. She's overseeing the, she's overseeing the Board of Ed mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she's from New Jersey. She came through the liberal Barack Obama administration. She speaks really, really good Spanish. And she was on video crying. Why won't they accept me? I don't understand. Oh, why. my God. White really woman like tears. Crocodile tears for real. But anyway, there was this whole hashtag Julia go home. Like, she's getting like $270,000 a year. Um, and her plan is to wow. her plan is to charterize the system, right? So that's like Betsy it's, DeVos. It's it exactly, is. and, and it's like the what they did in New Orleans, right? We, right. These are not new things. New Orleans, you know, <sighs> right after Hurricane Katrina, yes, what happened? They charterized the entire system, right? Right. They made it. They, they don't even have a public school. Yeah, they privatize public education, and uh. so she wants to do that. We know that there was an effort to do that here in Detroit. Yeah. She wants to do that. In, so so they were talking about, and this was uncovered before the hurricane, of closing 283 schools. They had already closed 200 schools in the last That's like, what they did here. Years. I know. And yeah. so they said, can we close 283 schools? And that was really hard um, politically. And so they said, well, let's put it on the shelf. Then the hurricane hit. And then people were forced to leave. Many were forced to l flee even mm. the island, right? And a lot of them moved to Florida. Some moved to Chicago, New York, and, and other areas. And now they had the perfect excuse. 
enrollment has declined because the people have left. Mm-hmm. And so the now, people left so because now, of the freaking hurricane. So now we don't need to have all these schools. We don't have kids to fill them. Mm-hmm. And so they right. Be, uh, I was in Puerto <sighs> Rico the first week of April, right on my way home uh, from that trip. Um, it was announced 283 schools set to be closed with no plan of how to use the buildings, whether they were going to be secured, right, or more blight, um, which we know um, uh, here in Detroit. And in Southwest Detroit knows really well with that brand new school that was left to go um, un- unsecured. But so there's no idea of how, you know, what they're going to do with the building. But even now, they've been selling some of the buildings um, for a dollar to, like, churches and charters. That's what they, oh, they did here. Did that Does here that sound with, um, like Durfee? With Durfee. With, like <laughs> with Life Remodel. Yeah, life just remodeled. did that with Durfee. Yeah. And yeah. so the parallels are, are, are there. The intersections are, are, are clear that um, this is not sort of this is not um, – these are not new things. It's These, systemic. They're yeah. all looking and learning. And believe me that after Puerto Rico um, sort more. of c- emerges, you know, after that, there, there, there's going to be another another municipality um, uh, in the United States where they're going to they're going to be the next one. The people are mm. people are looking into this and and, and, and and trying to replicate it throughout. And that's sort of, again, this oh idea of God. internal colonization. Right. We've 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 colonized the entire world. We have nowhere else to go. Now we have to go inwards, right? It's and like so the movie Alien. Say more about that. You know, an alien they <laughs> kill that thing, and you thought it was dead, and it just <laughs> transformed, keep, keep coming back, and then it was worse, and then they couldn't kill it, and then they. Uh. So the debt. <laughs> so so the the Puerto Rican debt. Um, it's, it's really complex in terms of the layers and layers and layers of, of colonialism, right? It's hard mm. to sort of like get at the truth, but this recent, this recent situation basically emerges when um, Luis Fortuño uh, is the governor. He's elected. He says, I'm going to make the hard decisions, the hard political decisions that all our previous governors were uh, too scared to make, right? Even if that means that I'm a one-term governor. He was affiliated with the Republican Party. He was seriously trying to get in like as one of the emerging leaders of the party. Um, and this was around the time, uh, shortly after the 2008 collapse, right? So Greece had just gone under its mm-hmm. severe austerity and they were like protesting and yeah, rallying in the streets. It was blood in the streets yes. in Greece. And so he publicly said, it's going to be even worse than Greece. Oh. The decisions that we have to make because we have to right the ship, right? So he said, I'm going to show, but but part of the colonized mentality is like, I want to prove to the colonizer mm. that I can be one of them. Right. The I, overseer. I, I want them, yeah, I want to be part of the club. So I want to make, like, I want to prove that I will even make decisions you're afraid to make. Wow. And yeah. so... With those to my with, own people, with right. those to right to your own people, with and he was also a statehood supporter, so he was really trying to uh, move the the process forward for Puerto Rico, accelerate the process for Puerto Rico to become a state. By the way, in full disclosure, I do not support statehood. I do not support Commonwealth, which is colony. I, I support self determination, autonomy, I, I, sovereignty, and self determination. However that looks, but let the people decide their own fate. Enough of the uh, control. Um, and, and that's why I think that's why I think it can't just be couched with this conversation about 
U.S. American citizens. It right. has to be deeper. It has to be like a liberation kind of mm-hmm. thing that's, that's yeah. happening. So the debt, so so with the Fortunio uh, uh, hard decisions, people start leaving, right? So you lose your tax, you start losing mm. your tax base. Just all like of here. your middle class, all of your middle class folks, your doctors, your lawyers, they're all leaving, mm-hmm. right? So what you have left is you have the extreme poor and then you have the wealthy mm-hmm. elite, right? And the wealthy mm-hmm. elite are the politicians. The wealthy elite are the people who are making decisions, right? Mm. Not for the good of the people, but Ooh. for the good of, of their own power, right? Yep. And so um, so Fortunio created the conditions that then caused like the politicians after him to figure out what can we do? We're losing our tax base. So they began to look for loans. And who was mm. making loans to to a, a, an island nation that couldn't pay its bills, right? Corporate capitalists, mm. right? Were sort of, all these bankers were saying, hey, we'll give you a loan. And uh, if you look at the PBS um, documentary, a little short documentary that they recently made, you'll see some of that um, history played out where loans that ha- had no business being made were being made because the idea was like, these are all bonds. These are all public bonds, and the government will guarantee the bonds. Oh, and so it's okay. Take a loan. And then when they capped the loan, they said, we'll give you a loan. You take it and put it in a local bank. Let it sit there for a few weeks. Take out the similar amount and then buy more debt wow. or buy more, buy more bonds, right? Because the idea was not that there, there was no money being created. It was the selling of public debt right. that was the moneymaker. That's and the so same thing that, that is exactly here. what happened here, and that's in our so, housing. That so happened in our housing about, too. When we think yeah. about like who's you know like the <sighs> activists in the street are saying, let those who created the debt pay the debt. That's right. Right. Like, why is it on the back of the people? Like, why are you having these so severe austerity? You rate they're they're they're, they're proposing to raise the uh, tuition cost uh, by by doubling it. Um, for its from its current rate, they're closing the schools. Um, the uh, I think I think uh, you mentioned uh, mahogany, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Medicare uh, um, idea um, of <clears throat> excuse me of uh, forcing people on Medicare to actually get work, or else they stand to lose their medical mm-hmm. Medicare. And that says nothing about the poor. That says nothing about the the senior and the elderly. Um, I know Piper like mentioned. Um, this idea, this is the worst, this, and this is what like infuriates me and like makes me want to you know, um, go to the front line, so to speak. The idea that you're going to commodify human bodies, does this sound right. familiar? Right. That you're going to take a third of your folks in prison mm-hmm. and you're going to ship them up north to private U.S. prisons. Uh. What, what's the purpose behind that? Private prisons are about making money. That's right. You can't make money if you have empty cells. Mm -hmm. So you need to fill those cells. So we'll take one third. You can't take care of your prisoners? Okay, come on. You see, you got to make cuts. Bring them on up. We'll take them. Mm. You'll separate them from their families, families who can't make the trip up and down, uh, the flights up and down from from the the island to the United States. But that you're going to trade people, that that you're going to, you're gonna export uh-huh. bodies. Wow! Uh-huh. And we said slavery was over, and we said a lot of these things, oh, you know, were in the history books. It's not over. It just mm. got a new face on, right? Um, a new identity, like the monster, like we said. And so right. that really, 
uh, that hasn't been approved, but it's in a process of being yeah. approved. I mean, that's why people are hitting the streets. That's why on May 1st, the people uh, mm. demonstrated and rebelled. They really wanted to, they, they, they had a plan to go down the Golden Mile, La Mira de Oro, La Milla de Oro is called, um, which is where all the bankers, right? Where all the people that created the debts, all the organizations, uh -huh. that mm. they wanted to take the protest there. And that's where the police set up a blockade. Mm. And again, just like I said with Fortunio, like we want to show to the colonizers that we can be just as badass or even mm. worse mm. than they. So when you when I think about um, all of the pain and the anger of the Black Lives Matters um, protests, the early ones, right in mm -hmm. Ferguson, Ferguson, and some of those other areas, and mm -hmm. folks were just like letting it out, right, mm -hmm. peacefully for sure, but like really high energy, and the National Guard and the police mm -hmm. forces militarized uh, uh, vehicles, mm -hmm. um, uh, people in tear full gas. combat, tear gas. Mm -hmm. So so here's a protest around May 1st, which is I International Workers' Day. You know, usually you have these kind right. of protests. Uh -huh. You have a work stoppage. Mostly uh, the professors, the teachers, the schools were all closed to protest these, uh, these measures, right? Like you can't treat people like this. And so the police and certain unmarked um, soldier-looking folks, mm -hmm. um, uh, which might may or may be private um, contractors. Mm. Um, like, not only do they use tear gas, they use pepper spray. Mm. And not just mm. the canned pepper spray, but, like, cannons yeah. of pepper spray. They, had, they blocked the mile, the golden mile, and then they used a tactic to, by which they could encircle the folks. Mm -hmm and then tell them to disperse as they were surrounded. Wow. And then use the tear gas and the pepper spray as a way to disperse the people. And then go and scramble people as they were leaving. They rained terror um, on they, the people. They hit uh, individual homes, um, which is illegal. You can't, uh. you can't go in without a proper search and seizure. They were, uh, the, the word on the street was that they had a list of activists that were wanted wow. activists and so they use that as an excuse to go hunt them down and so one of the videos that's out there is a couple of a couple of guys really yeah. running from them running down a, a an urban video. block trying to get in the house under you know sort of sanctuary i posted that one on my instagram a couple of them got a couple of them got accosted some of them you were able to find but but that that's what's happening right it's sort of like um, a lot of the similar things that we see that we're seeing in, in our major urban areas and major uh, black communities um, in the United States, but it's exponential because people have a complex, a colonized complex in the island, and they have to do it up to the tens, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, that's what that's what's bringing people to protest. Uh, that's what's um, that's what's really making folks um, really um, think about resistance and thinking about. Um, how, how how much more do we have right. my biggest concern i'm a pacifist i don't believe in violence but i know i have a um probably a threshing uh <laughs> I, I got a line somewhere i feel, right, it. Right, I, feel right. it I don't know where that line is mm -hmm. but uh, my biggest concern is like where are people's line mm. where are people's line before they return violence with yeah, violence tired of it all over, absolutely and and that I mean that's a concern, but also it's a very real right. Like I'm not like I'm not gonna romanticize revolution um, and violence in revolution, but right. people have to have boiling points, and oh, and yeah. don't and don't uh, you know don't people.
people die. Mm. You know, it's not a romantic thing, but but when you feel like you've exhausted all of your political um, choices, options, including the the ability to assemble and protest, wow, what more do you have? Because people will not allow themselves to be treated as objects for very long. Right. Well, I just also wanted you to talk a little bit about because um, you're going to go to Puerto Rico. Right. I'll be in Puerto Rico this time for two weeks, beginning on September 20th, uh, September, uh, May, tw- <laughs> May 28th. May 28th. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come back and let us know, like, about your trip and things. Like, you have to come back and, like. I totally would love to come back. Um, I There's a couple, there's a few folks who are doing, like, really innovative things. They're sort of occupying abandoned buildings. Mm-hmm. They're repurposing the land, which Without I call like liberating the land. Right? Um, <laughs> even though they're a little concerned about when the government is going to start right. to sort of like mm-hmm. take account to who owns what and start dispossessing people again. But but they're, do- they're doing some really innovative things. When I was there earlier in April, I, uh, I was at the university and I heard people presenting on what was happening mm. when they found out that I was coming back later on in May they were like we'd love to show you mm. and we'd love for you to talk we'd love for you to talk to them them to talk we we really are talking about community land trusts and community land banks wow here too strategies. Mm-hmm. that's what I that's why I went down okay, there yeah. to talk about the Detroit but I've heard mm-hmm. interesting things about our land bank and what happens and how it's run my, we're gonna bring them on too my thing my thing with the land bank mm. my thing with the land bank this is what I told Puerto Rico Community land banks are tools. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be used for good or they could be used for bad. For bad yep. Right now, the uh, my experience with the land bank, and I know that some people have had different um, experiences, but my experience with the land bank in Southwest Detroit has been positive thus mm-hmm. far. It is still possible to liberate the land from the land bank. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Mayor Duggan, I don't know what the powerful folks have later on, whether they're going to prevent... Uh, community groups from buying uh, land or whether they're going to prevent residents from buying side lots any longer. Um, Everybody got to buy that land right quick. For me, the time is now. You buy the land, ownership and control of the land, you decide the fate of the, you decide the fate of it. And, and so, and so, Puerto Rico was interested in that because they want to start doing community land trust too and they don't have a land bank yet Mm -hmm. okay if you're going back in May how do we help what can we do what can we give you to take down there as I'm sure that um, I mean as tragic as the events in Puerto Rico were the same similar situation as I know people I have people in the Virgin Islands still going through the same you know thing without energy uh, lack of lack of a lot of resources absolutely uh, so what can we do to help um so i was uh uh piper was doing all the shout outs earlier <laughs> all the groups that, that that have been working i'm part of a group also in detroit called comité cultural of uh boricua de detroit which is cultural community borican uh, community of detroit um and so we did a small fundraiser we were able to raise um a, a little over eight hundred dollars we used some of that money to ship a, a few boxes already of goods that were donated. So all we used the money was for was was to ship the stuff. Um, uh, we shipped some tools. We shipped some like coloring books and kids things. We shipped some uh, first aid uh, goods and some feminine stuff. You know those kind of things. Things that people just brought to us and we gathered them and mm-hmm. shipped them over. Um, cast shout out to Cast Tech High School, yeah. their um, Latino Culture Club. 
uh, raised a thousand dollars to Go send Castex. to Puerto Rico. They committed to giving the to turning the money over to the comité nice. so that we could use it to um, impact a couple of schools on the ground. Mm. The fear was mm. that if you give it to a major uh, nonprofit yeah. or organization, oh, yeah. it'll yeah. never get to them. Uh -huh. yeah. The funny thing is, I talked to one group in one barrio. Um, I, one um, one of my compañeras, one of our comrades, um, I contacted her. She said she she called the school and the school said wonderful you want to give us you know like half of the money you know half to one school half to another school it's wonderful tell them not to send it to the public <laughs> to the board <laughs> not to the we'll okay. never get it right. she said you know so we're thinking about like paypal and other ways to kind mm. of float the cash that way mm -hmm. um and so if, if if folks ask me like what they can do like there's still there's still need for school supplies all the schools all the schools lost almost all the schools lost all of their materials and Gosh. so um, the basics, pens, pencils, mm. paper, notebook, um, coloring books and crayons for the younger ones. All right, hold on, Raul. Let's <laughs> stop right there. All right, Piper, what do you want to do? What? So what I want to do, let's support um, your group, right? And say it again. Comité Cultural. Comité Cultural. So let's support. Boricua de Detroit. Boricua de Detroit. Comité Cultural. And so let's support Comité Cultural, right? Okay. And um, so, people, if you're listening, we need you to send school supplies, feminine products, um, first, first aid. aid. Um, what else? Um, school supplies, uh, first aid, um, clothes, gently used clothes. I don't think it matters what size. Um, uh, mostly for the you know for the kids. Okay. Um, and um, and obviously, I mean, I think. For now, we, we have funds to ship stuff, but cash doesn't Some stuff hurt. to Ca ship, ship stuff. Hurt. And the best way to get stuff there your sh is, is to ship the stuff, right? Right now, just, okay. through, just through UPS or you know, okay. USPS, the post office. Okay. And so then to give us, uh, like, where and how, right? So let's do a, um, let's do a this then. Because mm -hmm. he's going to be down there. Right. Why don't we plan to package up stuff and okay. send while he's down there so it gets to him directly. Got it. And then also, we can raise cat like, Already, I I'll uh, I don't know what you want, but I mean I give you fifty today, and then I can give hey. you the next week. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can work this out, right? So right, right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that. Everybody else in this room gonna put up some bread. Yeah, yeah. we so gonna put go it around all. the table. Put up yeah. some money. I have a bag of clothes right. in the car now. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you're gonna walk away with some stuff to, today. Awesome. Yeah, and some, and some money. And some money. And then where? And then where? So, Kari, did you want people to uh, just send stuff to him or send them here? Let's, or? Uh, yeah, you can send it to the Detroit's Different Incubator, and then we'll package it up. And when you're there, because you know, when are you going to be there? September 28th through uh, June. May, May, May. Uh, why do I keep saying there's something's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be all messed up, bro. May, <laughs> May 28th through June 11th. I'll be there for two May weeks. Okay, so June we're going to say... Please, Piper records on Tuesday. If you want to uh, get the chance to meet Piper, I assume most people listening know you. But if you want to meet Piper, <laughs> only Tuesday good people. Before, Tuesday the twenty second. Tuesday the twenty second. Make sure you drop off. You got that uh, cute picture. We'll do the drop off. Uh, don't don't get on no creep shit. One six five two Clement Street, Detroit, Michigan four eight two three eight. One six five two Clement Street, Detroit, Michigan four eight two three eight. What if they want to send money? 
if they want to drop off bread, you can drop off bread um, as well. We'll get it to them. But that'll be the 22nd will be the rally in day. Um, and do you have like a PayPal that you can shout out or something? Um, we have we do have a PayPal. I don't remember the handle right now. I think it's C C B D E T. Okay. Isn't it an email address for PayPal? Uh, yeah, C C B D E T at gmail dot com. Uh, what time is the rally? So, what time can people come, Kari? Anytime, right? Yeah. Anytime on Tuesday. We gonna, we gonna work twelve that out. noon. What are you doing May twenty second? I'll be here. Okay, so yeah, Piper <laughs> Piper is uh, uh, officially down by law. She got a key and all that good stuff. <laughs> so, uh, she got a key. She yeah. got a key. And not, not in the uh, trap rap term. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's later. The original. <laughs> <laughs> she can open the facility. Yeah, this is cool. So we can, I guess that's what we've been doing is relief. We've been doing relief all 2017. No, we did 2016, 2017. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that we're able to do relief. I'm happy we're in part of the relief business, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Raul, to thank let us you, know what's going on. Thank you all for having me. I, I'm totally appreciative, and um, I look forward to uh, bringing a report back um, yeah. to see you know, to see what's really going on. And, and, and hopefully, I think the, the Detroit Boricua network and exchange is in effect. Right. And, um, and people like P uh, Piper and, and, and some of the groups that we mentioned earlier are sort of really trying to be intentional about not just sort of linking the horrible things that are happening but also like how can we help support each other and how can we be in solidarity with each other because the resistance isn't just in puerto rico it isn't just in detroit but it's nationwide it's global and and we need to know we need to work with each other we need to lift each other up thank you raul i'm so happy you came by we're no longer ignorant <laughs> all right we're gonna, pause. we're gonna pause while raul exits then we're gonna you. get into our next topic it's going down all right, we are back again in full effect. Great informational segment on what's happening in Puerto Rico. And uh, when we talk about Piper Carter, she's hip-hop, definitely activism, photography. Um, and me and Piper, like, it, you know, we'll, we'll laugh about a whole lot of stuff. One of the greatest laughs ever is in Piper. Um, but it gets real, especially from the perspective of representing for women. Yeah. And uh, in representing for women, it's an eternal battle. Like I even tell Piper all the time, uh, my gender has, uh, you know, we do we doing some shit that is not cool. You think this on week a was, lot of levels? This week was mm. like last week was like the week of the black man. We we you obviously <laughs> did not listen to episode two <laughs> as I opened up with like yo the past ten days was rough on black men in the media. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's why we have you, Kari. That's hey. right. Hey, but but this is what's so crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, it's it's all, um, it's all kind of like uh, the 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 ills and the inequities of us as men is still a part of our community. Um, it's even welcomed in some of the households through women, as a lot of the sicknesses have been normalized. Uh, that people look at and just say, okay, this is what things people accept. Mm. And we are talking about the Pod Piper, Mr. 12 play, R. Kelly, Ugh. the lead singer of public announcement as I knew him originally. Right. But now, and really for like probably about the last 
don't know. Um, 15 years, but really, even like like I said, when he came on the scene with Aaliyah, that shit was weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To pin a song, to pin the music, age ain't nothing but a number. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Age mm-hmm. is more than a number. Mm-hmm. Legally. <laughs> Legally. You know? <laughs> Morally. <clears throat> Morally. So, um, and we talk about, like I say, the cognitive dissonance of R. Kelly is so immense. Like, his presence of mind is like non-goddamn existence. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, even right now in his stance as finally... Uh, media, I guess, have been given the green light to say, you know, fuck R. Kelly. We are not going to play his music. We're not going to support him. We're not going to let him come to this venue. Mm-hmm. Um, his whole perspective is allegations. Oh, allegations. my <laughs> And it's like, yo, dude. Right. Just fess up. You know, I think if R. Kelly took a page out of Starbucks book, which wow. is, yo, we did wrong. And we about to have these classes, <laughs> you know, for our employees. You know what I mean? Like, why can't he admit what he did and then perhaps, I don't know, enter some sort of rehabilitative right. treatment or just say, like, I did this. I'm getting counseling. I was wrong. I think that there's a redemptive quality in admittance and okay. correction. I agree. But I think what he's lacking so much is the, it's the presence of mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he has no presence of mind. So like to admit fault, you have to admit fault. And in his mind, he's not even what? He's not even I, And that to me is like let me not say that. That that is sickness at its highest. I, mm-hmm. Have you that seen how he operates? At its highest. But to me that's objectification. Mentally. That's objectification as well. Because if you listen to the victims, he objectifies them and, and makes them think mm. that they're not human. Human. Okay, so that's Nicole Denson. So remember last week on the, the second podcast, I talked about Nicole Denson is from um, Wayne County Safe. Tell us about um, you and what, what you do. But actually, both of y'all uh, tell us about who you are, Wayne County Safe, just so people know who's who's speaking right quick. Oh, yeah. I'm so passionate, I just keep starting. I start talking. That's what I do. I talk, start talking. Talk into the mic closer, too. <laughs> into the mic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my name is Nicole Denson. I've been a social justice activist, uh, counselor, advocate for over 15 years now. Um, one of my many hats that I wear is I am one of the directors of Wayne County Safe Program. Um, it's a 501c3 in the city of Detroit. Uh, we, are, we offer comprehensive services um, to all sur- survivors of sexual assault. Uh, and that includes the medical forensic examinations, which are the rape kits. Uh, we offer free counseling and free legal advocacy. We also offer um, a firsthand into the 11,000 untested rape kits, and we offer uh, s- like services to those survivors as well. So they actually come into our office and uh, with the investigator, the prosecutor, the advocate, and talk about um, their case and going forward. We offer counseling and, and different services to them. Um, so we've been around for about 10 years now, a little mm-hmm. over 10 years, and uh, we've helped over 10,000 survivors. Wow. Uh, and so we're the uh, top 5% in the nation of uh, being the busiest. Um, and the sad part oh, about man. the city of Detroit is uh, our crime rates dropped for homicide just a little bit, but they did not change or fluctuate as far as sexual assault. Mm. So, um, you know, we got a lot of work to do. 
in, in, in trying to stop uh, re reinvent the wheel or we feel like hamsters on the wheel sometimes. Um, and so that's one of my um, hats. And then I'm also the vice president on the Women's March Michigan. So stay tuned. If you look at our Facebook, our website, we're going to be going to Flint for power to the polls um, to make sure that uh, Flint residents um, have all of the um, access and all of the desire rights and having their voice be heard um, for uh, voting. Uh, so that's a little bit what I do. Pass it over to my ace. Hey, ace. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? This, my name is Sharon Fincher. I'm the access coordinator at Wayne County Safe and Nicole pretty thoroughly broke down um, <laughs> what Wayne County Safe does. Uh, what my position is over there is I work specifically with marginalized communities, mm -hmm. um, learning about the communities and creating like workshops which are culturally specific to the communities, mm -hmm. understanding some of the barriers they have, training our staff mm -hmm. and our nurses to make sure everybody is culturally competent when we're serving um, different communities such as the LGBT community, the East Asian community, um, undocumented um, people, mm -hmm. the African community, the Caribbean community, the Hispanic mm -hmm. can go on and on and on. Um, but we really just try to learn the communities, figure out what the needs are. Mm -hmm. uh, just what, last week we went up to the Chippewa tribe mm -hmm. up in Mount Pleasant, spent the day up there. It was an amazing, it was amazing time. Amazing, man, um, energy. Yeah. They took us around the res. Um, we had in-depth conversations about um, a lot of the things that they experienced and why mm -hmm. things are the way that they are. So we're trying to work diligently with them to, you know, get their programs up and running and help out in any way that we can. Um, so that's what my job is there. But I'm also the <coughs> National Executive Director of Alpha Psi Kappa Fraternity Incorporated. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. We yeah, because y'all volunteer for Dilla Youth yeah. Day. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and also part of the LGBT Advisory Board for the Detroit Police Department and mm. work with um, SVU as well. Um, wow. And, you know, just some of the things that I do. I'm an activist and been doing a lot of community work for a very long time. So, thank you for your service. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me. I, I just want to bring uh, Mahogany in the room because you didn't get introduced. So, just introduce yourself to folks, even yeah. though we know who you are. Know whatever. What's up, you guys? Mahogany Jones. Wait, talk in. Talk oh. to the Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Mahogany Jones, uh, proud member of We Found Hip Hop and just Detroit recording artist, and happy to be here. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 Jakey, <Flat> <laughs> <laughs> Jones. No, but so Mahogany Jones, um, I just wanted to bring, just because so people can understand how we're connected and why we would have this conversation. Um, so can you please tell us, meaning everyone listening to the podcast, about a peer movement and we found hip hop in our partnership with um doing a denim day mm. so um starting from the from when the first one we did in wow the, the, in 2014 so years ago um uh i think it was 2013 was it 2013 or 2014 it was 2014 2014 it was 2014 it was april 2014 and uh, we discovered that our city had all these unprocessed rape kits um and a pure movement um, my co-founder jane marie smith uh, wanted to bring denim day to detroit 
um, in efforts to be able to uh, raise awareness and raise money to get the rape kits process. And so we partnered with SAFE. Um, we approached um, what at the time was a foundation at 5E Gallery <coughs> and wanted to do Denim Day and they were gracious and we came together um, and we had it at the 5E Gallery um, and it was amazing. We wanted to, um, we got a petition signed basically so that the amount that it costs to get a rape kit to be processed could be cut in half and while we were doing that, that's exactly what happened. So it was almost something like $1,600 to get a rape kit process and it was reduced to what is now about $490, $490. Um, and so yeah, that happened five years ago and five years later we have um, no kits left to be processed and a lot of that work was done by the AA490 um, group along with um, many efforts um, just from Detroiters in general and so we're still just doing that work to speak out against um, victim blaming and ways that Detroiters and people in general can really support survivors in real ways and just you know come alongside y'all and the work that y'all do so yeah and so you. with Nicole we connected because we both were on the Detroit host committee for the women's convention, mm -hmm. the national women's convention that came here. So um, I just wanted people to understand like how we all know each other and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, maybe, so um, in, was that October? No, it was November. Mm -hmm. Nicole November. posted on her Facebook, yo, this dude R. Kelly's coming <laughs> to Detroit. What are we going to do about it? I want to stop this dude who's with me. So Kalima, who's not here tonight, but she's here in spirit. Yes. Kalima Johnson, by the way, hip hop, women in hip hop history. Uh, Kalima Johnson is the first woman from Detroit, um, the hip hop artist that was recorded back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So when you had like Awesome Dre, and all these other guys that were unrecorded, Kalima was like right in there. She's gonna come in here. We're gonna get a full interview from her later um, at another time. But um, so Kalima has an organization called Sasha Center that Mahogany just um, mentioned that we um, that we, we would partner with for. that we would raise funds for every year, and um, it's basically culturally sensitive um, support for survivors. Um, and so it's not counseling. It's not those things. It's um, a way for the women to heal with one another. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's using other um, forms of healing um, that are that are culturally sensitive and um, unapologetically for Black yes. women. Mm -hmm. So um, and and then she also works with the NBA and now she's working with men. So, but so Kalima was like, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, this is all on Facebook. So <laughs> then, uh, then I clicked on there. Okay. So then we met, we met at Wayne County safe. I think I sent it to like a whole bunch of people and then every, we all yeah. sent it to a bunch of people and then people came together. We met, then we started talking. Our initial conversations were around stopping him from coming here. So it was around trying to find the promoter, like who was promoting it to reach out to them to be like, Hey, then we found out that it was a sister. And dun, we were dun, like, dun. and then we were like, wow, that should be easy. No. And then it wasn't. And so um, then we then we were like, okay, we'll get at the radio station. So we went outside the radio station and uh, uh, con no, what was it? We contact the radio station. They were pretty much like, 
Kick Rocks. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, send, 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 okay, you guys wrote, I don't care what anybody says, that, um, petition letter that you wrote was the bomb, girl, just Thank so you know. Y'all. It was super <laughs> awesome. So, uh, she wrote this awesome petition letter. It was to the, um, the venue, to the promoters, did it, and it was the city council too, right? Uh, or that was later? That was later. Okay, and um, well, anyone involved with bringing him here, and basically it was like, please don't bring him here. <laughs> and um, I was begging like keep sweat, ain't nobody listening. So we we, <laughs> we sent that petition letter out. Um, then it was trying to find like where the money is mm-hmm. and get at the money. Um, and then it, and then you know we didn't want to have to go in the streets, but it eventually went to the streets. Yeah. And um, oh, and then and then you you did a really good job. I just want to say of bringing different how should i say that communities together right that was the whole intent bringing different communities together yeah. on this um some stayed some didn't right mm-hmm. um and the work is ongoing and this is a larger piece um, uh, specifically the mute r kelly campaign is a larger piece that's from Kenyette yes. out of atlanta so i wanted to kind of just root people in like how we got to where we are now. You guys actually did a great job out there holding signs. I Thank gotta admit, you. I didn't go to the protest. I told Nicole from the beginning though. I said I don't want to go physically <laughs> to the protest. I'm more of an organizer. You know, yeah. you have different people on the team. Yeah. I'm better at like strategy, organizing. You know, figuring things out. And um, she was like, "That's all right. We're gonna be screaming for you." <laughs> but I reposted everything. I went. I, we, I did help organize, and I reposted. That's mm-hmm. what I'm good at. Get that word out there. (laughs) You you helped tremendously. You know, everybody has their own specialty in their lane. And mine was like, hey, I got to handle all this. And Sharon actually helped organize. You know, she was getting people together out there. Like, boom, boom, (laughs) boom. So, you know, her and Antonio, who you did send, uh, Mm -hmm. helped organize that that demonstration. So, Mm -hmm. you know. So, tell us about um, the whole, let's take us from November to now, Mute R. Kelly. So November, I was uh, I was at the, so my rate the rape crisis center I work at is like ten minutes from Little Caesars Arena, so I'm you know I'm a single mom so I'm sitting at my desk and um, I, I took a Facebook break from studying because I know if I go home I ain't gonna study I got a toddler right, so I'm taking a Facebook break and I look and see my cousin is going to R Kelly show and I was like uh, oh okay. what you know why is R <laughs> Kelly back here and then why you going. So, you know, a lot of things that, that spearhead what I do is emotion. And some people say that's not business, but I'm an activist. So, you know, my instance was, like, instead of me being angry, let me, like, use this for motivation to see if I can help stop this. Because, I mean, this man we know has been accused. And, in fact, you know, we, we have victims coming out now. We've had four within the last week wow. of, of sexual assault and child molestation for over 20 years. Why is he in the city of Detroit? And I understand that we're growing as a city, but we can't accept money, and we can't accept uh, just anyone to come here mm-hmm. and, and, and take over or come here and think that it's okay. Because what message is that sending to young girls in the city of Detroit or young boys in the city of Detroit? Um, so, you know, I, I was surprised that my cousin did it. Unfortunately, I still don't talk to her to this day. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I know, man. It's, it's, it's bad. But... Um, I instantly went out on social media and put out a call to action. I do a lot of call to actions. Um, and so uh, Kalima instantly said yes. Kim Trent, 
you. Mm-hmm. People were just tagging each other, you know. And so that made me feel like I have a sense of uh, sisterhood. You know, it's not always by blood. You know, it's by the people in Detroit and the heart and the love we have. So, you know, instantly Kalima, you know, hooked me up and hooked us up because she said, I'm down with you. She said, I didn't want to protest him. But since you're so passionate about it, and you my little sis, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that meant the world to me because she be doing sexual assault um, activism and counseling for almost you know, over 20 years. I ain't gonna age her. And she protested him in like, 2009. Right. So she was like done with it because he came last year mm-hmm. and he so he sold out Shane Park. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know she she instantly hooked me up with um, Kenyette Barnes. And shout out to her because she's one of the founders. Shout and out Nike. to Kenyette. Yes. Or Nike. Um, and so they said, man, we've been trying to get him for a year. We got to mute our Kelly. So instead of inventing the wheel, the, right. the four of us started working together. And then Piper was so boisterous about it that, you know, Piper was making videos. And Piper was like, <laughs> yeah, I saw you. <laughs> I'm like, Piper lied. Piper so we were <laughs> So, like, on the phone, it was the cutest thing. Like, uh, Kalima and I, when we were like starting the community organizing, you know, people think it's just a whole bunch of people to end up in the street. Like community organizing is very strategic. Yeah, it takes months. It takes money. Mm-hmm. Like you have to know what you're doing. You have to be inclusive. So we were like, man, this is perfect. You know, like why don't we ask Piper? Piper be like, you know, with us. So we like asked Piper together on the phone, like, <laughs> will you be a part of our movement? Mm-hmm. And Piper was like, yes. He's like, yay. <laughs> so we got started and we had meetings and um, we made sure that in the beginning, you know, unlike some movements where they leave out, especially historically, let's talk about the feminist movement. Historically, you think of some people in marginalized communities as an afterthought. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't have anybody here that looks like this. Mm-hmm. Or we got to add these people, Latinos and blacks and all that. No. From the beginning, we made sure different communities were represented. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, the Me Too movement was was really mm-hmm. out here, right? Mm-hmm. And we ain't seen none of us. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, as somebody who works and sees uh, the untested rape kit survivors come in my office, and over 80% of them are black. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mad about that. Mm-hmm. People celebrating the Me Too, and I said publicly, I'm not going to celebrate this until I see people like me and other marginalized communities or people of color standing up and, and talk about our, our pain. Our pain is our pride, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, no, wait. We got Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, and all these people getting taken down, and here come R. Kelly in my backyard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So... You know, that that motivated Kalima and I. You know, and Mm -hmm. Kalima's organization is the only African-American sexual assault organization in the country. That's crazy. It's so crazy because over 40% of black women before the age of 18 will experience rape. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. We, under indigenous women, are the most to be murdered. Mm. Okay? So you you have to look at those, and and that's just cis gender right that's mm-hmm. just that's just women who that's just black women we're not even talking about trans black women mm-hmm. of color who over 64 64% of the white yeah. are, wow. are going to be uh, victimized and raped you know oh so we were very intentional about having LGBT survivors LGBT people at the mm-hmm. table me and my me and Kalima and Sharon are in that community you know what I'm saying so we made sure we had uh, artists we made sure we had Girls Rock Detroit mm-hmm. because a lot, they say last year, 
and even plus, like it's been a lot of sexual assault in the rock community mm-hmm. and the rap community mm-hmm. here in Detroit. There's not mm-hmm. being talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I don't want to get the name wrong. Um, collective, well, how, Sarah. Seraphine. Seraphine. Seraphine Collective. Yes, yeah. we had them. Them a part of it, and they are yeah. an excellent organization, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we found Women DJ Collective. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, um, and. Uh, we had Trans Sisters of Color Project, uh, Janice mm-hmm. Poindexter, a wonderful um, activist. And uh, we, so we were really trying to be inclusive of having everybody at the table who needed to be there. Um, some people we tried to ask, they didn't even move. Right. And so that made us know that we are living in this intersection of being black women that, you know, when people say like Black Lives Matter or feminist movement or the LGBT movement, they really sometimes aren't talking about black women. Mm. because there's not a lot of outrage about this. Mm. You know, we didn't get a lot of people to support us through these community engagements. And I know yeah. you can talk a little bit about that part. We actually got backlash yeah. from majority black men and black women. Ugh. I got, I got what, like, remember <laughs> yeah. I showed you all those hate emails? I got rape threats, death threats, yep. probably like two, three hundred hate yeah, that was crazy responses. I was like, what on earth? And yeah. these were people caping for R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Weird part is the demographic of people that were doing it. Because yeah, it was those weird. would be the people who would have been the parents. Would have been the parents. Of the people of the parents, know, who right? were the survivors yeah. the age-wise. That's right. I, mean, uh, I mean, R. Kelly still has such a strong following. And he does. This yeah. is what I think people need to do. I mean, you have to separate the artistry from a cruel act of 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 any human um just like i mean i'm I'm still i'm still a fan of the cosby show but that doesn't necessarily i mean in liking the episodes of the cosby show or the r kelly songs i like that does not mean i support the acts of the man Mm -hmm. i mean so much of this uh in the in the hero worship that goes on is so complicit and the people and the audiences and the engagement and the experience that he's created over time at a show definitely has a lot of the fans I know that are that not only look forward to going to our R. Kelly show it's experiential it's the way that you know my my dad looks at going to George Clinton mm-hmm. but that that you know that experience of being able to put on a linen suit and your gaiters doesn't mm-hmm. negate the fact that it's coming at the expense of uh, of, th- of this pain throughout our community. Right. And as uh, Nicole was saying, it's very prevalent in our own households, mm-hmm. in our own families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's so tough not to you know go. I know you said you got a lot of comments about like you know this not involving sex but the way we look at sex but it's not necessarily sex as much as the objectification of women Mm -hmm. through a grander society because these patriarchal cultures Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. distorted view especially from uh our culture as black people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 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 uh oftentimes whether black men or um in uh like i guess in another like the lgbtq community whoever would assume the role of the masculine role of of finding a way hence the whole you know i get treated like shit every day by the white man then i come home and beat my wife mm. you know uh these aren't excusing the behaviors but these sicknesses do need to be addressed 
they need to be recognized they need to be realized and the work that nicole's doing that sharon's doing um a lot of other people are doing uh my friend um tony's doing work kalima's doing work uh it's it's a lot of work and a lot of steps that need to be taken uh because these skeletons in our closet are only making uh the trauma that exists right for black life more um you know it's it's like you know we're we're looking at things through rose colored glasses but we're still dealing with mm. so much shit wow sharon can you tell us about you were saying about the culturally sensitive uh ways in which you're able to connect with people and can you help people understand like what is a culturally sensitive way to connect with someone i mean sometimes it's even the verbiage that you use mm -hmm. um when you're talking to certain people even saying sexual assault just turns people off mm. another surprising thing is people don't even understand the definition of sexual assault you'll talk to people who are survivors of it and when you actually break down what sexual assault is they're totally shocked mm. because they never saw themselves that way. Mm. Um, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. Can you break down for us what sexual assault actually is? Just for just for so everyone can know. I mean, well, sexual assault is basically somebody doing something to you without your consent. There are things that people do that they consent to, mm -hmm. but without consent, it's it's not appropriate. Um, we ha we're talking about toxic masculinity. We're talking about rape culture. Where these things have just been embedded in our culture and you can turn on TV, you can mm. look on a billboard, you can turn, you know, look at a magazine, you can hear music. And because this is what we're constantly dealing with, this is what's constantly being thrown in our face. Mm. Some people seem to have the idea that it, this is okay. Um, mm. I worked in a junior high school uh, before I was at Wayne County Safe and when I say there's a lot of issues that schools need to address when you're mm -hmm. talking about sexual assault. You're talking about 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds who have a crazy um, sense of ownership to a little girl that may be there. Well, you know, she hugged me yesterday. Why she can't hug me today? Oh, you gonna hug me today? And they'll literally, mm -hmm. like, pull them in the stairwells and things like that, you know, and they don't find anything wrong with it. And when you try to talk to them, you know, it's, well, well she hugged me yesterday. But, but she doesn't have to do that today mm -hmm. and she has a right to say she doesn't want to do that you don't have a right to make somebody do it so it's so many things that we need to deal with mm -hmm. and like i was saying just the words that you use when addressing people mm -hmm. makes a huge difference too because if you say certain things you're instantly turning people off mm -hmm. so now we're talking about rape culture and you have conversation with men and men absolutely need to be at the table mm -hmm. men have to be at the table mm -hmm. you know but to say you're exhibiting toxic masculinity and, mm -hmm. and then, you know, you're a part of rape culture. You know, you, you instantly called them like, oh, you calling me a rapist? You, I'm mm -hmm. shutting down on you. Mm -hmm. So the way but, that you have these discussions, they, they have to be handled carefully as well. I think um, this man is so much into like last week's episode two Piper. And it's hard not to like explore these topics when you go here just mm -hmm. as a man, because it's back to the the what we don't like it's a grander society so even like when you say bringing a man to the table as you say like the mm -hmm. misogyny that exists in me it's I, i'm gonna use the example because it's the only thing i can use mm -hmm. it's misogyny in me just because i'm a man 
The same way mm-hmm. it's racism mm-hmm. in a white person just because they're white. Mm-hmm. Depending upon the scenario and the circumstance, it can drift. But this is the strange thing about that misogyny. Sometimes in society, a woman will embrace it and mm-hmm. say, yo, I like this. I like the fact that he opened the door for me. I like the fact that he sent me flowers. I like the fact that he sees me as someone to objectify in a way where I feel as though this is good for my life. Mm -hmm. But the same seeds that plant that seed of like the whole quote unquote, a man supposed to treat a woman back to 360. What I said, like Mm -hmm. a lot of what I'm doing is the idea of, I have an idea of who my mother was in my life and I'm going to engage a woman that, uh, it with, with respect and honor of how I want my mother engaged Mm -hmm. without, truly seeing her for the perspective and the person she is is the same reverse side of women see men in the role of their father in the way that he engaged her so like to 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 transcend on a lot of these topics it's men women but also knowing that like some of this shit we're 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 talking about uh societal uh, uh concepts like these are social constructs that have existed for generations. But I want to jump in and just say I don't believe that the respect is not a social construct. Mm -hmm. So a man opening a door for a woman or a man choosing to respect a woman or a woman choosing to honor a man I don't think that those things are misogynistic. I think we went to a super that's like when white people say I don't see color. That's ridiculous. What do you mean you don't see color? Mm-hmm. So for us to not accept and embrace um, th- um, the nuances of our gender, that's to deny who we are. We're sexual beings. So uh, to not respect someone mm-hmm. and what they choose and how they want to be accepted in gender, that's not right. But I feel like there are nuances, and those nuances can still be respected. How about just respect? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to be respected, and I want to respect you. And now, that, to me, is not misogynistic. Right. And this is why, And this is why I would say that I think it is a little bit of that, because when I was given this whole, this is how you treat a woman, it was from the guise of this patriarchal system okay, that but, objectifies the woman as property to be married. But I, I'll say this, though. Like, you know, it's communication as, as well. Mm. Because just because I'm a woman don't mean that I necessarily need you to open up my door. That doesn't mm. make me less of a woman. Mm-hmm. But that's where communication comes into play to see what is comfortable for people. Mm-hmm. And that's what doesn't happen. People assume. Mm-hmm. And then a lot mm-hmm. of times if what you assume is incorrect or what you assume um, doesn't go along with what your thoughts or feelings are, then that's where problems are created for people. So that's God. why you have the yes. culturally sensitive yes. uh, yeah. tactics to reach different people of different cultures. I say just... Just be cognizant of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I When I look at people, because of all of the things that I am, my makeup, we did a um, a presentation, and, and I used myself as an example. When you look at me, what do you think? Do you think I'm educated? Mm-hmm. Do you think this? Do you think that? Because what you see here isn't necessarily who I am. That's right. your assumption. Right. So for me, because this is who I am, when I'm dealing with people, I don't care who or what you are. 
I look at you and, and based off of what you say mm. and based off of how you request to be treated is how right. I treat you. And I build off of that. Okay. You know, and a lot of people don't. It's People don't take time to get to know people. People mm. don't take time to get to talk. It's, mm-hmm. well, I think this is the way it should be and this is what it's going to be because that's Whoa. what makes me comfortable. Mm. And, and that necessarily doesn't have anything to do with the other person because that makes you comfortable. Good. Change doesn't happen because everybody's comfortable. When people become uncomfortable, that's when change happens. Mm. Wow. Mahogany. So you're doing a pure movement, mm-hmm. and um, you just did your, you just did a denim day. Yes. And you had a few different guests on there. You had um, two, sur- three survivors? How many? Yes, three survivors. There was three survivors, right? Mm-hmm. Can you, without sharing any who Mm -hmm. just share what we got that they shared from do you know what i mean some of some of what they shared um at that gathering in in regards to what though so um the one survivor uh if i'm not mistaken was her attack 20 years ago yes I, i think the one thing that i got from it was just the idea of the whole idea around victim blaming you know, mm-hmm. and how when she went to from her from what from she her, was from her right. friend, yeah. You know, then when she went to go and initially tell the police and how she wasn't believed and like all this stuff was like piled on her as if she were to take responsibility. She needed to take responsibility mm-hmm. as the woman. Like it's like how can I take responsibility as the victim? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like why am I being responsible for my attacker's choice and actions? to sexually assault me mm-hmm. and can you tell us because what i thought was super powerful she shared with us that you guys were prayer partners how, yeah. that's how you know each other yeah how long you've been prayer partners mm, maybe six years so and she was saying that initially she came to you with uh the heaviness of all this guilt shame anger and that's why she was coming to you as a prayer partner well, our initial relationship is I'm friends. I was her daughter's mentor. Mm. And so I've been in her daughter's life for about 14 years. Okay. And so we've known each other over that span. And then we developed our own friendship and relationship. And then, yes, she did come to me and, and was talking to me about that. And then, you know, oddly enough, we started the whole campaign to do Denim Day and to help those who were survivors and those who were victims get justice and mm-hmm. how she wound up being one of the people one of the first thousand um, kits that was tested and they found her rapist and he actually is in the process of, he actually took a plea deal and I say that's interesting because that's part of the work that you actually did isn't that amazing to mm-hmm. come full circle mm-hmm. that you were had great. a prayer partner mm-hmm. and you were able to get her you know, in a, in a, in a, you were able to be beneficial in her rape kit getting processed mm-hmm. and her getting justice. And that's what that's what I want to say about you know the importance of Sasha Center and, and some of what Sharon does and, and Wayne County State is because for Black women we don't trust systems. No mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. were not built for us. Right. Whether it's the criminal justice, the healthcare system. So it's so many survivors who go to prayer partners, go to their friends, go to their churches. 
and, and, and disclose. In the first person, research shows if they are not believed, that stops them from going forward and getting services. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for black women, we've been unrapable for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, it even is research shown in same clinics and hospital clinics don't treat black women the same as white women. Can and you, can you, can you tell us I'm, about I'm, that? I'm sorry, I yeah. want to jump back and I, that's the thing about when a pure movement and when we partner to do those events is we want to equip survivors mm-hmm. and we want to equip survivors friends on how yes. to support because yeah. a lot of times people come to you with things and you don't believe or you make it smaller or you just don't know how to be of support mm-hmm. you know and I think again scared. that's why oh you're scared and yeah. I think that's why you're again like safe and Sasha Center and the work that y'all are doing is so important because we have to hold these systems accountable. Yeah. Right. The systems don't mm-hmm. work when we don't make them work. Right. And when we do the work to make them work, that's when we, they work. So Nicole, tell us because you were you were telling us that white women get believed mm-hmm. and their case gets taken immediately, and everybody needs to stop what they're doing and figure out because this white woman uh, historical has you know uh, been assaulted mm-hmm. black woman same thing and no one believes her or uh what is that they they say that we have a higher threshold for pain or well, something we like you said she mentioned an important thing about historical trauma so every survivor regardless of race d- demonstrates trauma mm-hmm. and i've worked with thousands of survivors they just distribute you know uh some cry some yell some are angry you know, but because we are so victimized and violated in so many different ways, it could be what well, right, you know, seeing gun violence, it could be being robbed, it could be intimate partner violence. Sometimes we're not the quote unquote typical victim like a lifetime movie. You know what I'm saying? So what, sometimes what, what do you mean like we're not Okay, so growing up you see a white woman on lifetime, she crying, she's screaming, or she she's like fragile, mm. right? Sometimes when I come to the hospital you know, this survivor has been sitting up for hours. Nobody's really told them what's happening, what's going on. And they're angry, and they have every right to be angry. Mm. That, but when I talk to them and actually just explain their rights and why I'm there and I'm there to help them, it eases them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people aren't trained on how to deal with survivors who have the every right to be angry, every right to be boisterous. Because rape is about power control. Mm. That is what rape is about. And it's with force or coercion. So you don't have to say no mm-hmm. for it to be rape. And Can, can you just explain that? Because that might be confusing to some people. Okay. So I'm not going to try to get too like <laughs> scientific on here, right? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but, but, you know, so everybody thinks the absence of no means it's consent. And so you have to look at this, this actually neurobi- neurobiology of trauma, which suggests that your body goes into fight, flight, or freeze. Now, a lot of African-American women are childhood sexual, vi- sexual abuse survivors. And if you have childhood adverse effects, which means uh, low socioeconomic uh, po- you know, poverty, uh, you've seen gun violence, or you witnessed death, or anything, any trauma in your lifetime, sometimes when you are in states of trauma or duress, you will freeze. Mm. So majority of our survivors freeze mm. and they think it's their fault. And I have to break down the mechanics in the brain mm. that say that it is not your fault. Mm-hmm. A lot of them dissociate, which means they go off. So you're saying just if I just, cause I want to make sure people understand this because mm-hmm. 
part of it too that I hear from a lot of people is I'm confused. I don't understand. So are you saying that a person can freeze mm-hmm. and then it would appear or, 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 or the other person is taking that as a cue that that means go. Right. Okay. Now wait, as a guy, that is damn sure confusing. You should ask. Okay. Uh-huh. As a guy, that is damn sure confusing. Now <laughs> I'm a guy. Now let me speak because <laughs> I've been saying this. Remember we had this in the, the last podcast right, in the right, sense right. of like, I'm a guy that always is like, yo, almost to the point, like every step of the way before I have sex, it's like, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to do this? I actually, um, like, I guess this is, you say, don't talk about sex. I'll get explicit. I'll take my <laughs> penis. <laughs> I will guide it towards the woman's hand and I will have her guide it into her vagina because my thought process is I don't want to get charged with a rape charge. And I've always had that fear just because when I was younger, one of the homeboys back to this whole like that weird ass train culture, uh, he missed his whole scholarship because of a rape charge. Mm -hmm. So like I've always had that fear in the back of my mind as you talk about the stress of being black. Now, with that being said, every time I've said that, even to my homeboys, they're like, nah, I don't never go there. And it's a lot of times where women have even told me we never had sex because you don't have sex like you didn't want to. So it's like the the for speaking in a lot of ways, like a lot of those questions that you're talking about can be turn offs. Would you like me to kiss you now? Would you can I continue kissing you? Um can I touch you here? Like, this is... You're going to have to find okay, a sexy way to Right, should. exactly. I'm like, we, <laughs> we put swag on everything. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could put some swag but on see, But, but if, you, if you're but, doing but, something but, and somebody you is into gotta it get... and they holding and touching and stuff, I mean, if somebody just didn't stop and froze, yes. and like, you, you don't know. find that strange and ask a question. And I wanted to say, there's not, the freeze is just, if we want to get into the nitty gritty, because, you know, I can I can break it down. There yeah, is, break it down, break it you, down. Your, the breathing goes up. The breathing. Sometimes you start sweating. Like, it's different cues than just freezing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually the person looks like they are not here. Mm. The person is not engaged. But uh, to a guy, I'm just saying, and I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm like, I'll ask, and, and, and I, I look at it like, hey, it just is what it is. I'd rather lose the opportunity to have sex than to be locked up, because that's how I look at it. But a lot of my male counterparts don't feel that way. Because I've had this discussion Mm. and men are like, nah, the way women want you to take charge because most women say they want a man that knows what he wants. I'm speaking from the perspective. And when I when a man tells me that I'm like, that shit is dangerous as hell because a woman could be thinking, no, not say it. And it's still rape. Mm. And I specifically say that. That means to most men, charge. as far as I'm concerned, that is rape culture as you all would define okay. it. It's over aggressive. It is exploiting the situation. Now, with this mm. confusion, because I don't necessarily think a lot of the, the sex happening in our community is like... Um, you know, it's not passionate love making uh, coming together <laughs> because we're still dealing with a lot of what Nicole touched to. Like this trauma that exists 
it really, I mean, she's saying the gun violence. I would say the trauma goes back to the myopha in the middle passage. So absolutely. a lot of this of shit, absolutely. I mean, and when we talk about raping of black women, absolutely. the rape, and you know, the too. way that, yeah, yeah men, I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. It carries so, through generations. So like that it, trauma it still exists in us. It it's in our DNA. But let me mm-hmm. be honest. Majority of men do not rape. There is a small majority of yeah. men that rape and they rape multiple women. So when I sit up in a courtroom and there's five survivors, that assailant is usually doing the same tactics. And you'll mm. have women, and they're sequestered, right? So one is over here, one is over They don't talk to each other. The they thing. all will get on the stand and say that such and such did this, such and such did, did that. Like, even the way that some uh, sexual rapists, like, attack or prey or pick up, rapists are opportunists. Right, mm. so it's either opportunity to get you alone, opportunity to give you a drink, opportunity to find you on a street corner, ask how much, and I pay you. That's even seen as rape because it is. Mm. So my thing is, it's not the everyday man out here trying to be a rapist. Mm-hmm. Majority of men don't rape. Mm-hmm. So now this Me Too movement and all of this is bringing men to have fear. Like, oh man, I don't date nobody because <laughs> I don't want to touch right. nobody because I don't right. want to get a, a charge. But you have to look at the. The, the everyday man could, but the everyday man, like you said, if you just communicate, mm-hmm. you know, you can communicate. And now I help know us, help, help us give, give, give some of these dudes some, some tools, Nicole. As far as I'm concerned, uh, the every man, everyday man should be afraid as far as a black man, especially if it's a white woman. I wouldn't nothing scare me more than a white woman walking over to me at a bar and, and, and flirting with me. I mean, you. La- I'm just saying what's real. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, because I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm such a basic level thinker as it, when it comes to this. And then like, you know, with a lot of men, it goes into our ego. I would go as far as to say it's a lot more of us as men that have exploited the situation. Even, even this, and I've told you this before, Piper, a lot of the sex I've had with women, which I don't even know where this goes into like the degree of rape. I don't think the woman wanted to have sex, but she chose to have sex so that she could keep my attention because she thought I would have sex with somebody else. So it's like, she's not necessarily engaging in sex with me because she probably wants to. She's doing it because it's like, well, damn, I want to keep his attention. So I'm going to have sex with him. So let me break down. So rape culture, basically, like what you're talking about. So I believe that everyone somewhat has a role in participating in rape culture. Mm. And I'm not even going to take myself out of it like I'm some unicorn. I Mm. I watch TV. (laughs) I listen Mm -hmm. to music. You know, and a lot of people, when I wanted to meet R. Kelly, they say, well, you need to check yourself. Mm -hmm. I have checked myself. But guess what? I educate others. Mm -hmm. I can't escape this society. So let's be honest. Sexual violence is on a continuum. You have sexual harassment. You have catcalling. You have uh, touch, you know, uh, you have the actual violence of sexual assault. You, it's a continuum, right? Mm. So, you know, it could be as simple as that is a part of rape culture. And that's not saying that you are a rapist, but that's a part of rape culture. Just like mm. turning on the TV and looking at an ad, and you don't know what they're selling. The ladies uh, butt naked, and she, they selling some clothes. And you like, where the clothes at? Mm. That's rape culture. Or our lyrics. You know, a lot of people is like, why don't you go after Rick Ross, right? Because, I mean, Rick Ross had a song about mm-hmm. basically slipping a molly right. in a woman drink. And she ain't even know it. And she it. ain't even know it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so when I told them is, you know, <clears throat> us talking with uh, R. Kelly, Kalima and I were saying, that's the uncle. That's right. The, that's mm-hmm. the dirty, nasty uncle in the house. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's invited on Thanksgiving. 
You can't nobody go and sit on his lap. Yeah. Right. But he can come to the cookouts. He can, you know, everybody give him a plate. That he's untouchable. Mm. So if we can deal with showing him and how he objectifies women, then we can start getting to that. But you all have been talking about misogyny mm -hmm. and rap and, and confronting that. We are just showing the very, uh, to the continuum of sexual violence all the mm -hmm. way over here. But there's catcalling. There's, there's all of these things that lead to that. This is all rape culture. Mm -hmm. And for men, I don't know if you want to, because I know you want men involved. Like, do you have any words to, to, to give to men about like how to... To give back. I think for me, with, with most of the guys that I talk to that are receptive to what I'm saying, this is the thing. A lot of people don't find things to be a problem until it becomes part of them. Mm. So for it's even young girls that will come and they're like, I don't like the way my father treats me different from my brother. And, you mm -hmm. know, they may see their older brother or uncles or, you know, somebody doing something. And I say, simple question. How would you feel if somebody did that to me? Mm. You have to make it relatable, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a very sensitive subject and some people just don't want to talk about it, you mm -hmm. know, and, and it's not an attack. I don't want you to feel attacked, but it mm -hmm. needs to be talked about because mm -hmm. that could be your daughter. Mm -hmm. That could be your wife. That could be your mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I have a granddaughter. Like, I flip out if somebody, mm -hmm. you know, was talking to my baby like that. Like, what is wrong with you? So... Mm -hmm. It just needs to be a conversation. And another thing that I tell people is, you know, because me and I are starting to get involved with the conversations, they have questions. Yeah. You know, there are some young men, especially when we go to, like, colleges and stuff, and they'll say, like, you know, my girlfriend is a survivor. Mm. And, you know, they explain the things that she goes through, and they'll say, well, how can I help her? One thing that I say is don't condone. Can, so you, can, you, you, can you break that down? So say it's a group of your friends getting together, and even me being a, a masculine center lesbian. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of toxic masculinity in our community, too. Mm -hmm. We're not clean. I've done things myself, you know. Mm -hmm. But you change when you learn. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully. If there's a, it, hopefully, <laughs> right. But if there's a group of people and you like what she was saying, catcalling, and you're standing outside or you're at a club or something and all of that extra, it doesn't have to be that way. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So when you see people doing things that are wrong, correct them. And mm -hmm. you don't have to participate. R. Kelly was able to get with a lot of get away with a lot of what he did because he had people who were it there. It was that a lot of people complicit complicit yeah. with that the behavior that. and just let that shit go on. Right. Yeah. Um. For for years. Yeah. And, and and a lot of what you said is, and man, Piper, you are gonna have to get these guests back because <laughs> yeah. and really we gonna, <laughs> gonna have to have it back, back. <laughs> again because it's back. so many different layers in this discussion just from the man's point of view that I've had with men and mm -hmm. I consider myself like I told you Piper more progressive but I still recognize the misogyny in me mm -hmm. so like like even in a lot of these discussions it's still a, like a cognitive dissonance that you don't mm. see yourself when you're engaged in that act mm -hmm. because when you're engaged in that act it 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 it's like you think to yourself like nah i'm fly i got swag she like because you're right like mm -hmm. it's kind of like the hug today the mm -hmm. hug yesterday it could be your girlfriend mm -hmm. she was ready to get it in yesterday mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to get it in today mm -hmm. or when you was at the movies it was like yeah and then now you get back to the crib it's like mm, you turn me off mm-hmm so, but still, the the idea. <laughs> I mean, you laughing, but I'm, I'm, this I'm is some real shit, though. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? But right, right, into a guy, because a lot of this whole like how we define ourselves as men mm -hmm. is based on the idea mm -hmm. of 
um, how a woman treats us uh, in 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 like it will will go to the adoration of like you know um, of like how a woman treats us, real or false. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you said real or false? Yeah, I mean it ain't fifty strip the, clubs in Detroit because mm, of the right. authenticity of those young ladies. <laughs> <laughs> They're not making money. You know what I'm saying? It's just so, so many conversations coming from this one conversation. It is right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's tough. You know what, what I want to say is like growing up, and I had the privilege of growing up in a two family household. You know, and a lot of us don't can't say that. What they say now, seventy percent of children live without they they black fathers right mm. black children so um i was taught though my racial solidarity i had two parents from the south i was taught my racial solidarity came before everything right right um you know they were they baby boomers so they was talking about emmett till they was mm-hmm. talking about lynching all that mm-hmm. so not until i went to college did i start taking women's studies classes mm-hmm. but after college i realized that you know I, we have a big conversation about the feminist movement right and so i really started kind of pushing away from it a little bit because you know for my parents like you know I can't sit up here and not get mad about you know a black man getting shot or killed I can't sit up here and get mad and not get mad about police brutality but I can also get mad because black women are getting raped but I feel like society makes me have to choose Mm. And a lot of the conversations I had was like you tearing a black man down or now they say that Bill Cosby and R. Kelly have public lynchings Mm. I'm like are we for real Talking about lynching, mm. like like they being lynched. That's like when people use the word rape. Like I got raped on a test. Mm. Those men are being hung in trees. Mm-hmm. That's that's that, that's that's insulting. That's insulting mm-hmm. to our and I think ancestors. that speaks deeply to our own racial issues. It's mm-hmm. like those men, black men shouldn't feel lynched. Black men should be able to look at two men who did something heinous did something wrong and say our women women should not be treated like that and it's good they're getting justice mm-hmm. not that all black men are on trial you know even when we think about OJ it's just yeah. like that's kind of sick that's like perfect. even though it was a white woman you know but regardless it's like yo a woman a man murdered a woman mm-hmm. you want to know something crazy that's though heinous. it is something crazy like okay so I'll go into the store you know, where um, a lot of the, well, all the stores are owned by, like, Arab men. Arab men say some very interesting things to, to black, black women. women. Yeah. Mm. And you'll have black men in there, and they won't say they don't a say word. But then Man, I've seen the same dudes go to town about R. Kelly and Bill Cosby and coming mm. to their defense. This mm. guy is sitting here disrespecting someone who resembles the people that we're talking about and you're more prone to defend them Mm. than her but it's crazy i was just talking to piper about this um bbc published an article about the um how black women are fetishized yes Mm -hmm. and how globally black women bodies are over sexualized Mm. i've you know i've been in situations where that's happened to me when i travel and it's just standard Mm -hmm. so it's just like you know we talk about black men being lynched but again, you know, the most disrespected human is the black woman. Yes, it is. And Always. That mm-hmm. goes back to, we're broken down into Jezebels and Mammies. Mm-hmm. Even to this day. Flat out. Flat out. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people, when I went to college, the first time they interacted with me was, you know, that was the first black person. They knew wow. us from media. They knew it for rape. They had questions about my hair. You know what I'm saying? So you have to think about, I mean, it's the Sarah Bartmans, you know? Mm. You look at Sarah Bartman, and then you look at Nicki Minaj and Little Kim. 
uh, and you look at their pictures, it's the same as Sarah Barman. Now, anybody don't know who Sarah Barman is, she was the first black woman to really, when I mm -hmm. say be objectified mm -hmm. and put on show with her body almost naked. In a circus. In a, in a circus. circus. And, and they, they kept it. Mm. They kept her body. It was more, it was at a museum. That's necrophilia, recently. like. And this is and this is what recently. I would say, oh. even in reference to the um. And man, we we way over time, but <laughs> <laughs> we gotta just keep. We but, gotta have your back. We gotta have your back. But it's it's like it's 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 not mutually exclusive. It's like for real. Fuck R. Kelly. <laughs> Fuck yes. Bill Cosby's yes. actions. Yes. Fuck you. R. Kelly's actions. Thank you. Um, you know, fuck Nas's actions, mm -hmm. fuck Kanye's actions. <laughs> like I said last week, all of all of the above. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> the actions of three of those men can be used by different people to exploit. Like you can have a legitimate point, especially in the media world, and exploit that point to dr drive a, 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 a divisive. Uh, narrative that has always existed in the black man being a rapist, even with the 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 yes. you know the the classic American novel to kill a mockingbird. Yes. So it's like you can drive that narrative, mm -hmm. even though it's not mutually exclusive. But this is the thing: you have to be smart enough to know. Okay, that shit is poison. And that's what I'm saying. Can we not? It would be awesome to see a movement of black men yeah. mm -hmm. in lieu of this happening, yes. defending. Black women, yeah. and I think that that would, that would speak out and speak against that would, the myth that, that black yes. men are rapists. Because look at black men taking yeah. a role and being protectors. Right. Kalima and Thank I you. said, if R. Kelly would have had just at least one white woman, we wouldn't oh, have had issues. It'd with have been that. over. Mm. We wouldn't well, be twenty years out we here. Wouldn't, yeah. We wouldn't have had to march out in front of twenty-four season. years. 24 I, I years. was thinking 24. that until this whole Bill Cosby shit, and then I was like, "What the fuck is going well, on with this?" Well, he, Bill Cosby, he, he, that he was about. He done he 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 done made somebody mad. But he said that he gave. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that was. That was a tiger situation. Here's the thing about Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. Bill Cosby said he gave him the quaaludes. Right. What are we mad about? He said he gave him to Right, him. right. Mm. R. Kelly was on video peeing on a, a, a child. Like, right. What, what are we upset about? Right. I don't get it. They. It's not like it has understand. to be proven. Like, they're, you yeah, said it yeah, and we saw it. it. Yeah, that's right. it. Thank you. Hashtag. The facts. 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 100. Bars. Facts. Bars. <laughs> Bars. 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 <laughs> All right. So, so, oh, wait. But we can't leave without, uh, we gotta, uh, we gotta let you guys know we were going to have this whole cultural discussion, but this is what I'm going to say. Y'all got to get that Janelle Monet album. Yes. Yeah. Because she, uh, she, she, she totally, she like, herself. infused Prince. And she got a hot song with Pharrell. And uh, I love it. I know. It's, it's kind of. It's a yeah. hot album. The whole album. And she got America's song, too. She learned her powers. Mm -hmm. She learned her powers. She did. And, and she was Prince Minty. Mm -hmm. Um, the Royce the Five Nine, I, I love the whole project, even though it does have misogyny on it. Mm. But I will say this: no, I won't say but. I'll say and because it's not a but; it's an and. And he opened all the way up, all the way, and was very vulnerable. Mm. If you can listen to the whole album from the beginning to the end, because he got vulnerable about his relationship with his dad and his relationship with his, his brother. brother. Um, a lot of things that he shared, I was like, wow, it's grown man hip hop. It's grown folks hip hop, 
Hilarious. No gun bars, thank that God. Means, that means that <laughs> kids will not like it. <laughs> the kids will, the kids might kids like Kids will it. like some joints. The kids kids will like, like some it. joints when they're like legendary. What is kids, this? The kids, <laughs> he kids is using listen, real words. Listen, listen, listen. No, 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 The kids are going to like one song, that legendary song. Okay. Legendary, they're going to like everything else. They're going to be like, huh? And well, he said it on the, the album. Logic? I like the Logic remix version. Everybody That's loves the cool. Eminem, the Caterpillar. I thought, and that was interesting too, because Logic's like, okay, I'm white and black and so what? Oh yeah, like that that song that that beat. Oh my god, yeah. the video. Oh okay, the uh, the J Cole. Oh yes. oh yes, the J Cole is like yes. the whole album is awesome. Yeah. And then um, we were gonna break down that Donald Glover video, but it's gonna be Thursday, and people might pretty much be over it by then. What do you think? I don't know. No. Nah, I'm still, I'm still people. That boy's gonna be a whole college so class. That boy's gonna be a whole college nah. class. I just want to know: did people uh, did people see the white horse? Yes. In the video? Yes. Okay. On your page. And then the cops. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yes. Yo, I slowed that thing down. <laughs> in, in my phone, I found this uh, I found this app, and you can, like, you know, download YouTube videos and SoundCloud songs and all that. It's awesome. Just bring it in the documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I brought in the documents. Then I downloaded it. Then I put it, chopped it up in um, iMovie on my iPhone. So I slowed it all the way down. And I was telling Nicole I was at home, <laughs> and it was at night, and I got scared because it was. <laughs> I, I saw that horse galloping with that man with that black hood, and it was like. <laughs> I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. I had to put the African happy music back on that Fela. I put that over it. I couldn't even look at that, oh, them God. two things. But anyway, I saw the white horse, and people were saying, uh, behold a pale horse. Mm-hmm. And then they were comparing it to that. They compared it to the. Um, revelations. Yeah. They said maybe freedom. Also, and some like, people said cocaine and heroin. But I was like, no, I personally didn't not get it. that. It's not the white horse. Nah. It's not heroin white horse. Nah. It's definitely No, nah, not with that dude on there horse. with that black hood. Yeah, <laughs> <not> <laughs> that was definitely death. Nah. But then did you see if you stop it, it goes to a certain part where you see it from the side with him and the kids dancing. And it looks exactly uh, like the Congo Square. With the slave catcher, yeah. with the Congo oh. Square, my friend Alicia. Oh, it was scary as crap. I was like, oh, that's the part when it was slowed down. It frightened me. I had like an out of body <laughs> DNA ancestral experience. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I had to zoom myself back to the future. That's the creativity we need, though. Black Panther and all this is, is proving to us that we can get creative. But that's what that's why I wanted to bring up all these projects because all these projects are very creative Mm -hmm. and they have lyricism artistry people are being vulnerable Mm -hmm. it's that time again and i gotta shout out mahogany jones in the building it's something my friend told me to remind myself we have a mixtape yes we have an all-woman hip-hop mixtape it's on soundcloud go to we found hip-hop on soundcloud uh mahogany jones got a song on there book Um, brown book brown we got so um, many dope mcs oh my god um shay is on there um, Detroit Shay, um, J Prime, um, Pinky Ring is on there. Yeah. Um, who else is on the album? Or on the it's a ni- and it's nice and concise. It's about like maybe forty five minutes of listening. So yeah, it's not it's anything minutes. that's like super long. You can really listen to it in one setting, and it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's super yeah. dope. Um, I need to start. I need to give it to Kari so we can play a little bit. Um, but I know we're way over time. We gotta. Okay, so I want to say thank you to Nicole. Denson from Wayne County Saves. Listen, Sharon, I mean, we uh, met because you came 
to our event mm-hmm. to volunteer. Isn't yeah. that beautiful? Yeah. So that's why I'm always going to see you. Because you know, it's like how you first meet <laughs> a person. And you so always, always see them, yeah. And the crazy <laughs> thing is when it was weird because like, you just came up to me like, yo, I need to do this. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I was like, that's Come what I'm talking about. You, you take a charge. <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> so that's how I see you. So I, I got super love for you, you, you know, you. from that. Because I'm like, wow, that's dope. You care about the kids, you know. Yeah. And Mahogany Jones and my road dog. That's it. It's the homie for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mahogany, where you off tour from where? Uh, Nepal. You went to Nepal. Nepal. You had to light it up, huh? It was nice. It was and good. um, so wait before we go, give us some of them bars. You could give us um, what kind of bars do we need, Kari? Uh, you know, um, I have no idea. What's the next country you going to, Mahogany? Oh God, um, Uzbekistan. Okay. I don't even where where the hell is it's um, I want to say Uzbekistan is like it, it's an asian country so it's where like all the stands are okay all really all right Kate, like Kate. we have youtube i mean what is this thing google, <laughs> google. we gotta get a map we gotta get a map all right how you spell it um you uh-huh z b e k i uzbekistan yes i'm gonna just put okay uzbekistan u z b e k i s t a n yes okay so uh, do to do Central Asia. I was correct. You it were is correct. An Asian country. I told you. So it says Central Asia, though. So what does that mean? We have it's to learn in about the their of food. Asia. Yeah, kick. <laughs> we have to. Kick the, so like, uh, not far from Russia. Know, kick the bars to let them know how to prepare your meal when you get there. Oh my God, I have no idea what the meal is gonna be like. <laughs> well, it I says, need to know more. Let me look up. Let me go to Wikipedia yeah. and let's try. So it's it's all, it's a really mix because it's looking like Iranian. There's some Greek. It's talking about the Persian Empire, the Silk Road. So it's it's Middle Eastern, the so-called Middle East. That's something I learned. We have to call that the so-called Middle East. Uh, Piper Bay. We gonna bring (laughs) (laughs) Piper Bay. (laughs) That's B A E, black and educated. Yeah, yeah, Piper yeah, Bay. Yeah, yeah. I meant B E Y. Fans had Piper. Yeah, that's me. That's me. With my fans had Piper. Yeah, so that's what we'll have to do. We'll have to bring uh, you back on to teach us about that and about the culture, um, yeah. yeah, about what what you did there and all that. So, what kind of bars do we need? We need something uplifting, and inspirational. We were talking about a lot of deep stuff tonight. Man, it really was. It's a lot going on. Um, just happy to see the movement progression. Understanding we learning lessons and understanding in these sessions that we moving forward. We gotta do what we gotta do right now. So we calling all our ancestors right now to do this right. Said so we gotta take a moment just to fight and ignite what it is that's happening. Let you know what's happening. Go ahead right now. Go ahead and be captain. Said so we gotta take sovereignty. Gotta do it right now for my people. See, I said it's F R E E. Freedom ain't free. Pay for it. Said so we gotta do it right now. I'll go ahead and slave for it. Nah, said we breaking them chains. I said we do it right now because it comes from the brain and the mental and the spirit. When we speak it, don't fear it. Just hear it. Take a moment and just listen. It's time to take a moment and transition. This right here is for the gifted, the young and the black and the brown and our people right now. Said we do it right now. It's underground changing the sound because Detroit is different right now. So it's been different. 
Wow. With it. That's a freestyle, too. That's a freestyle. That's that was off the top of the dome. <laughs> We're blessed now. That was our blessing. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Anything um, that you guys wanted to plug before you go? Well, first I wanted to say thank you all for having having us here. Um, I want to say thank you to Kalima, Piper, Mahogany, Sharon, all of you all for just embracing this young millen- uh, millennial thriller loving. Uh, <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. Sharon's about to be like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean for real. It was, it's like it was Afro like, Michael. It was like <laughs> it was like it was sisterhood for real. Like they they just trusted in my leadership. You know, like they just they just. Said back, it was like, Nicole, like, what you want to do? And that gave me so much confidence because we have to entrust in even our younger generation, mm-hmm. you know. And so I want to just plug, you know, Sasha Center. Go to mm-hmm. SashaCenter.org, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and support, you know, Kalima Johnson and her efforts. And mm-hmm. she has some wonderful, amazing uh, opportunities coming up in July to take survivors of sexual assault to see the Underground Railroad. Okay. To uh, go to the DIA and do mask making. You know okay. what I'm saying? So um, I just want to say go to SashaCenter.org, and I want to say go to our organization, WayneCountySafe.org, because we have some wonderful things going on, uh, ongoing. Workshops, training. If you want some education, we go to Detroit Public Schools and also talk mm-hmm. to young um, black and brown boys. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, um and then go to MuteRKelly.org. We actually got a website now. Hey! We got a website. We out here. We, we out here. We girls. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so MuteRKelly.org, go there, see how you can get involved. And um, that's, that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Mahogany or Sharon? I just want to say, like, I know people from all over the country, and I just want to thank everybody here you know, for how progressive we are in all aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't understand the spirit of Detroit, you know, they hear the foulness on the the news because, you know, and then when they actually come here, it's a whole different kind of feeling Mm -hmm. and we're very special kind of people. So I just want to thank all of you for all of the Mm -hmm. work that you all do, Mm -hmm. you know, continuing Mm -hmm. on and and being open and embracing the new people that come behind you and, and being supportive in that nature. And Kyrie, thank you for participating yeah. in the ah. conversation. Yeah, Kyrie. Staying strong in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Holding wow. Fort down. Many, many, many a homie. There you go. At, 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 at different levels of progress. <laughs> what you got, Mahogany? Um, June 15th, I'll be at the Charles H. Wright with the Detroit um, Chamber of Music. Wow. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So make sure you come out. The event is free. And make sure you come through. We found hip-hop we are having a networking event so shout out to piper carter and hey, we found hip-hop hey. um nina payne's gonna be speaking fatima say her last name Teco. Teco and mm-hmm. stephanie hammonds it's gonna be at uh detroit pamboo on 1420 washington avenue that's may 23rd 6 to 8 so make sure you come through to that and um keep your eyes out for we found hip-hop stuff and for pure movement stuff that's popping and yeah I say just get our mixtape. Go on SoundCloud. Get, get that. our mixtape. Uh, like I said, we found hip-hop on um, SoundCloud. And then also, to um, come to our networking event because we have an entertainment attorney. We have a publicist. And we have um, artist management. And they'll be helping you um, navigate the business mm. of being an artist. And uh, we just want to make sure you're armed with that information. And anything you want to plug, Kari? Uh, you already know. It's DetroitIsDifferent.com. <laughs> Um, that's pretty much it. DetroitIsDifferent.com. A lot more stuff. Thank you, Piper. We three deep. Like I said, we got to keep expanding. Yeah, we will. Keep expanding. People, people been hit me up about topics, so 
We're running. We're running by you. What we need to do. <laughs> what we need to do is just get some of them people in here. I mean, that'll be the best thing. Oh, you know, I was thinking we should we should get some producers like have a user generated content and have people help us generate uh, content. So maybe we'll, I'm gonna throw that out there. If you're interested in helping um, produce the uh, the podcast, we welcome you. Especially if you do anything around sound or uh, you know, and you know how to chop up. Uh, sounds and things so we can get some of these some um, sound bites and stuff done because a lot of the production you know this is this is a self-determined effort here yeah. we're supporting a self-determined podcast studio mm-hmm. you know in the vortex yeah we are in the ghetto <laughs> we are in the ghetto we are in a very powerful vortex of energy yes, yes. <laughs> The melanated, surrounded yes. by melanin yes. power. Like only, only gas stations in Coney Island. Are happening right now. Uh, nothing like home. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. We do love it. We. Nobody ever stands it today, in it. You can probably get that Black Panther DVD <laughs> in my community. That actually rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. <laughs>